Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This episode of the Mosaic Life Podcast is brought to you by the Mosaic Life Circle. This is a really interesting conversation we have today. We have uh, Brianne Showman on the show, and we'll we'll do her intro in a second. But uh, we talk about total human optimization to steal the line from Tim Ferriss. Uh, everything from exercise to sleep to nutrition. And the point I'm trying to make here is if you're interested in any sort of life-changing content, you're going to want to subscribe to the Mosaic Life Circle. That is our regular email list where we notify you about brand new episodes and additional content, as well as contest announcements And in these emails, we break down our episodes to let you know what that content is about. So you can choose, hey, I want to listen to this episode. Hey, I don't want to listen to this episode, so on and so forth. So to subscribe, head online to themosaiclifepodcast.com and click join the Mosaic Life Circle, and you will be subscribed to our email list. We take your privacy very seriously. We only email you once or twice a week whenever new episodes come out. So please subscribe today, and you will be kept up to date about our newest releases. Welcome back, folks. Ernie here. Thank you again for tuning in to the Mosaic Life podcast. Again, your time is precious, and the fact that you're spending it with us, it really means a lot. It keeps us moving forward and creating for you. Today, Trey and I had the pleasure of sitting down with one of our good friends. Uh, I've known Bree for multiple years. Uh, we met because, uh, well, we met through happenstance, but eventually uh, she became a client of mine, and we worked for over a year, almost two years straight. Uh, on just completely aligning her life. It was incredible. And so I got to know her in that time frame. And, and the reason I'm so excited about this conversation in particular, um, well, you know, you know how some of us have this conversation in our minds in the morning when, when the alarm clock rings, we have to, some of us have to like talk ourselves out of bed or we have to fight this voice. That's like, Oh, just another few minutes, please. Well, I've gotten to know this woman at a deep level and there's just no quit in her. There's no chance of her having this conversation with herself about not doing something, whether it's challenging or new or scary. When she puts her mind to something, she goes for it 110%. And I think that's what's so important about what comes up in this episode in particular, because you can trust it when you hear her talking about something because you know she's studied it, she's lived it, she's tried it out, she's tried several variations of it. And so when she's talking about things, you know, we can listen and we can trust what she's saying. Um, You know, aside from the insight and knowledge, we had a great time uh, recording this episode, three friends coming together and having a great conversation about how to improve life, how to improve running, how to improve our nutrition, our stress levels, our sleep, And it was great. I hope you guys love it. So enjoy this episode with the OCR doc, Bree Showman. Welcome to the Mosaic Life Podcast. Life is an art. Every moment, a picture painted in time. The color, texture, lighting, all context. The Mosaic Life vision is to cast a warm glow on your masterpiece, highlighting the struggle while showcasing the culmination of years of hard work. Join us for guided meditations, interviews with authors and leaders, and engaging conversation as we explore the depths of our consciousness. All right. Welcome to the Mosaic Life podcast. Welcome back to another episode. Trey, how's it going? I am great, Ernie. How are you, my friend? 
I'm good. A little hoarse after a couple of days of um, yelling at people. No, yeah, I'm just kidding. Dude, I'm losing you, my voice. You got a you, you got a new gig. <laughs> I know we've got a conversation uh, in the works. So I do want to talk more about that. But uh, I, I think oh, I'm first... totally totally kidding. It has nothing to do with work. Oh, just, okay. Uh, yeah, just losing my voice. It's funny, to, especially coming into recording. Uh, good to be with you, man. Yeah. Glad to come back, and especially excited today because we have somebody that maybe for the first time that we both know, and uh, and so it's cool because we've we've been growing our relationship with today's guest over the course of a few years. Have several different facets of of what we've worked on together, and now we're here to look a little bit deeper at some of the things that we've all enjoyed discussing over the years. And our guest today is Bree Showman. How's it going? I am awesome. And I'm really excited to do this with you guys. We're excited to have yeah. you. That's that, yeah. I, that's, yeah. Like Ernie said, we, we both know you fairly well. And before we even started recording, we, we talked about all the nooks and crannies we can dig into because we already have that base understanding of, of, of who you are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, it's really interesting getting on this conversation with you guys. Cause I typically talk to each of you individually. So to get just a collaborative conversation going, I'm really excited to see where this goes. Well, I, yeah. I think, I, I think the one, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm thinking back in my memory, the one time where the three of us have actually spoken yeah, at the same time was in person after you ran uh, the, was it Cap City or was it the, the Columbus half? Um, but you were in town. Yeah, it was April for the Cap City half yeah. last year. That's, Crushed that's, it, yeah. by the way. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We sat down and we had uh, some food together and and hung out. Talked a lot about uh, what was it? Was it uh, rock climbing that you guys really were probably, vibing on that day? That probably that's that was kind of the the peak of my of my rock climbing. So that I have to imagine yeah. that's probably what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, so now it's it's good to be back together again, dive in, you know, go a little bit in a specific direction, although most of our conversations, I think they land in the direction of how do we how do we grow as a person, what we're challenged with, what we're working on, and, and overall just being a functional human being, uh, an empowering human being in the world. So I'm, I'm excited to have you guys both here, the three of us together. Um, it's funny that the last time I think it was our last conversation, Trey, or the one before we were talking about running. And that's where you came up specifically, Bree, um, because you are a running coach, among other things. Um, you know, what what is it that you, you work on with people when it comes to uh, being healthier in their life? Oh, wow. And you word it that way. Um, a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yes, I am a running coach, but with all of that comes everything else involved. Um, you know, as a coach, you could get so engrossed in just like, this is what the workout is. This is what the programming is. This is how you become like better at your sport through the physical manner of it. But when we're talking about becoming a healthy individual and not just a better athlete, we also have to pull in everything else that's going on in someone's life. Um, the nutrition, like still thinking physically, the nutrition side of things and what that looks like. What does sleep look like? What does stress levels look like? And how do we have to adjust our training in order to counterbalance those possibly higher stress levels because of life situations, 
um, lack of sleep because of life situations, or how do we improve someone's quality of sleep? And just really pulling in like all of these other life aspects, because in order to perform well as an athlete, you also need to perform well in life. And you have to have that balance of everything coexisting well together. Yeah, wow. absolutely. Yeah. Ernie, I, I don't remember what episode it was. We were, it might've been that same episode, but we, actually it might've been with Robbie, but we were talking about improving everything by 1% and just improving your overall performance that way. And I think that's exactly what Bree was talking about. There's full body and life optim- optimization to make sure you're performing at your peak. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that you, that, that somebody might come to you, Bree, for, um, for running and, or you work a lot with obstacle course racers. They, they come to you for, you know, how do I, how do I get this time down or how do I get better form or, or et cetera. And then, you know, by week two or three, you're probably talking about things that they didn't even anticipate coming to you for. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if someone's maybe their times are going down or they're, they're just feeling more fatigued and just things just aren't feeling right. You know, we, I dive into those questions of like, what else is going on in your life right now? And what other things could be going on? Or is it just that you need to take a ramp down week a little bit earlier than planned because of um, the, how the body's responding. So there's a lot of different directions we can go with things, but yeah, absolutely. I'm digging into like, what's going on in your personal life right now? Mm. Yeah. So when you, when you are working with people and, and and they're athletes, of course, or most often are there, are you finding a a lot of common denominators outside of, of the physicality of it? Like you mentioned sleep, you mentioned stress. Are there, are there like one or two or maybe three to five things that you're like, no, we need to check on these five things as well, because these are playing a huge role, even though we don't know it. Yeah, I think you kind of just nailed all of them right there. The things that I'll usually the kind of key elements physically that someone can like, you know, whether it's rate for themselves or think about for themselves is nutrition, sleep, stress, um, recovery, and just overall, like how they're feeling during our, during our workout. Um, those are typically the things that are going to and you can dive into a lot of different places with that, but those are typically how I'm going to have a conversation with someone to really figure out like what's going on with them. Yeah. Very nice. And, and so do you have some type of specialization and we'll get into the, I'm really interested into the physicality side of it, especially with running as I've you know newly endeavored uh, into a running career, i.e., not really a career. I like how you're running, running. So I like I'm pretty sure it's a, it's an important thing, uh, and I don't. I never did it. I, I guess that's why I'm making such a big deal out of it. And I, so I'd love to go into the physical side of it. But I'm just wondering, do you do you have as we're on these, um, on this path of other things, right? The the other the other things that affect the way you're running or the way you're you're, you're climbing in an obstacle course race or whatever it might be, um, sleep for instance, like what, what do you, what do you, how do you work with somebody there and, and what, what insights do you offer? How does that go? I initially am going to do, well, if someone's just not getting enough sleep because of like a schedule situation, like some things just can't be adjusted. It's the way 
the work schedule kids schedule is like, so we can only do so much given a schedule, but we can also do a lot when it comes to thinking about sleep hygiene and those things you do before going to bed at night in order to get your body ready for sleep. Um, so things like shutting off screens, getting off your computers, tablets, phones, TV, um, getting rid of your whatever you're using digitally for reading and maybe get, and going, getting a physical book. So you're ending that blue light factor. Um, you know, you can pull in different supplemental things as far as like, maybe just you need more water. Maybe you need more magnesium, which is a good, um, good thing for calming for sleep. Um, melatonin, CBD, things like that can work really well for improving us, not only falling asleep, but getting in, maintaining a deep sleep. Um, do we need to figure out like, is your room not dark enough? Is it not quiet enough? Do we need to figure out ways to just keep you in a deeper sleep? Um, there's a lot of different directions to go with it, but really looking at, um, both the sleep hygiene prior to going to bed and how is our quality of sleep while you're in bed. Nice. Now, Trey, you track damn near everything in your life. Can you cooperate for Bree here? Like, what do you notice when you're yeah. on and six hours of sleep versus eight hours of sleep in, in regards to your performance? And I will absolutely get into that. And I do want to point out two things first. First of all, I want to say this book so I can put in the show notes. I've mentioned it a hundred times and I, I'm, I'm sure I've recommended it to both you and Bree and Bree. I don't remember if you've read it or not, but uh, Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. Have you read that? I did. Yeah. Probably a couple months ago now. Fantastic book. And it'll scare, it'll, it'll, it'll scare the crap out of you into getting better sleep. And it, that, that was the turning point for me. And honestly, the conversations I've had with Bree have helped shape my sleep habits over the last year. I've finally started getting myself into a place where I am generally in bed by 10, hopefully asleep by 11. And I've started getting up early to actually get my runs in more or less to avoid the heat <clears throat> this summer, but uh, it's really helped me become both a better athlete and more or better functioning throughout the day. So that's that's been huge for me. Um, and yes, yeah, so I, I do track damn near everything in my life. Um, I will say, and I don't think I've told either one of you this, I kind of let my life tracker TM go um, because it, I think it served its utility. Um, right now, I wear a Garmin watch and a, an Aura ring, uh, both of which track a lot of my vitals: uh, heart rate, heart rate variability, sleep, um, even you know my uh, distance and, and running and, and other exercise. So yes, I still track everything. I just don't I don't do spreadsheets on them anymore. And I, yes, and I think I've mentioned if I get anything less than seven hours of sleep, I am. The day is just, it's no good for me. I'm i am knocked out by two or three o'clock in the afternoon and just useless. Seven and plus, seven plus, and I'm really, really in great shape to get as many things done throughout the day as I need to. So it's a huge difference for me. Hey, Trey, did you listen to that sleep podcast I sent you fairly recently? Probably not. Now that you're putting me on the spot on uh, <laughs> on the podcast, uh, I... <laughs> I, I did start listening to to one that you sent me, and I, I did not finish it. I'm, I'm, I I will be the first to admit on a podcast that I've been so bad at listening to podcasts since I don't drive a whole lot anymore. That's just an excuse. So I, I do want to finish it, and I will actually put that in the show notes because I do know you had great things to say about it. Yeah, it was just pretty fascinating because I did read Why We Sleep. It's, it's not necessarily a different concept on it, but just looking deeper into it as far as like – what 
when your optimal time for sleep and for higher level function is and and how it for looking at females how it adjusts around the menstrual cycle and it's just pretty fascinating um how he dives in a different scientific method into it yeah and um i i that's all great information and getting in that same vein i will say that in regard to my personal circadian rhythm you know, going sleeping 10 to 630 feels better than noon or I'm sorry, midnight to eight or nine. I just, I, I feel better throughout the day by following that particular rhythm of my, of my own. So, um, I have to, I, I imagine that's kind of what he digs into in that, in that episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I do want to mention too, and it's kind of on my mind recently, cause it's been something I've been noticing for myself is when looking at the physicality side of things too, when you are dealing with an injury, you do actually need more sleep. Your body requires more energy to heal. And so more sleep um, can be needed. And I've been noticing that personally, typically on my own, I'll wake up around 5 a.m. And lately it's been about 5.30 that I've been waking up um, and going to bed the exact same time or maybe a little bit earlier. So I've just been noticing as I'm healing my injuries, my body's just needing a lot more, um, sleep, which, um, typically seven and a half hours is, is good for me. And lately it's been closer to like eight, eight and a half. And in regard to running injuries, um, to provide a little bit more context. Uh, so, uh, Ernie is the one who introduced me to breed because I, about a year ago, I think it was a year and a half ago, I was just facing extreme pain in my knee. And unlike Ernie, I've been running since I think I, st- I, I ran track in middle school and I've just been running, you know, for 20 plus years. And so actually having, as I'm getting older and feeling the, the stresses that are going on in my body and needing to improve my form. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm avoiding injuries is, is become ever more important. So Bree, our, uh, Ernie referred me to Bree and then Bree just remotely, we did some video calls, we did some, uh, exercise, some, uh, stretching sessions, and you were able to help me get past that hurdle, which was so important to me. So, you know, publicly, I want to say thank you and, you know, give you, uh, it, that's a testament to your ability to help somebody even across the country. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, it's it's strange to me because I don't know how it all works when when you're looking at somebody running. But Bree, you you work. I'm pretty sure you work with the majority of your clients remotely. And and one of the things you do is, if I'm not mistaken, is you'll have them record themselves uh, running, and then you'll watch and assess the videos, and then help them make adjustments from hundreds and thousands of miles away. What, how how do you do something like that? Yeah, um, that's a great question. So yeah, you are right. I, they do film their videos and it's a super simple process of filming. It's literally like the videos are like five to 10 seconds. It's really not much at all. It's just a little clip um, just in order to see what's going on with, with their technique, but it allows me to then take a look at it, break it down. Um, I can slow it down as much as I want, even frame by frame with the software I use in order to really see like what's going on um, where someone's heel striking, what their timing is for coming off the ground, um, what like abnormal torsions are going on because of different forces going through the body. So I can really break it down into what's going on there. Um, once I take a look at it, then I get on a video call with them and we go through it together so they can actually see what's going on with their body. Because a lot of times we don't realize 
when is our body doing, or we don't realize what our bodies are actually doing in space when we're moving. So when we can get on these calls together and I can really break it down for them, um, really helps give them an understanding of what their body's doing, why they potentially have those injuries that they're having, and then um, gives us a good direction to go for improving that and breaking that injury cycle. Nice. And so one of the things that I've been personally wondering about is in general in life <laughs> is energy conservation. So getting the exact same job done with as little energy as possible. So doing, doing just as good, just as powerful, just as fast, whether it's, you know, writing or, or recording a podcast or, or running specifically in running, but uh, for this conversation, you know, are there, are there key elements if, if you're looking, if I'm looking to run further distances, just continue to grow, you know, I'm at, I've ran seven miles now in one go and, and that's more than I've ever ran in my entire life. And, and I'm starting to see some correlation or feel and notice some correlation in my body to, to maintain energy and, and conserve energy. I'm just wondering what that what that looks like, or if there is there even a way to explain that in a podcast? I want to interject real quick, Ernie, because I this is uh, I I like personally I'm super proud of you for being a new runner and getting up to seven miles. That I mean that's that's not a small accomplishment. So I, I seriously uh, you know kudos to you for for being so committed and sticking with something that a lot of people do not enjoy doing. Nice, thank you. And if Bree, if you don't mind, I'll I'll just tell a quick story about that. Yeah, go for it. Uh, so, so I, I've, I've been averaging three and a half to four miles and hadn't really gone over that. In fact, it was, there was like a plateau there of just could not get past it. And so this one day I just had plenty of time and I, and I ran, I ran this, you know, road around my house, which has a lot of elevation change. And I got to the top of the hill where I usually end right by my house. And I thought, man, if I just run down this hill again, then I'll have to come back up. Like I don't have a choice. I'll at least get another mile in or something. And, and then my body, when I made that decision, my body, everything like started to shut down within me. And I got this pain right in my like right kidney somewhere. I've never really had a pain there, but it just felt like something was stuck. And I was just like, I'm going to run through this and relax into it until this pain goes away. And maybe I, it was placebo or maybe I built it up in my mind. But as soon as I did that for like, maybe another 100 yards, the pain completely evaporated, and I felt re-energized, and I ran another three miles. So it was just, it was the most incredible experience. That's amazing, man. Yeah. And back to you, Bree. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when it comes to efficiency, you know, so when I, we'll go back to the topic. Whenever it comes to, like, I'm, I'm at mile three, mile four, is it just, like, I just should push through until it feels easy again? Or is there a way to make sure that I'm running in a way that, that I'm, I can go further and, and it, it'd be much easier? Yeah. What's really funny is you, the question you asked, I literally wrote, I haven't posted it yet, but I literally was wrote a post about that this morning um, right. <laughs> before this call. Please share that um, with us. We'll put, put it in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes, when it comes to running, the more improvement we make to our running technique our running form the more efficient we are so essentially we can run further using less energy um essentially the 
the more you overstride. So think about like a lot of times, especially people who are, have really long legs, like coaches, and especially in high school, it tends to be like, use your stride, stride out. And we get in this bad habit really early of elongating our stride when that actually burns a lot more energy than if we shorten our stride. So if we bring those feet more underneath us um, in a shorter stride, it actually puts our muscles and tendons in a more efficient running pattern rather than, uh, so essentially that more efficient running pattern or less energy burning through those muscles and tendons allows us to run further. Um, the other thing with it is we, we pull physics into it. Think about the figure skater who tightens themselves up as much as they can with their arms and legs and they spin really fast. We use that same physics theory with our leg bringing it through. If we pull that leg up off the ground, pulling that heel, using our hamstring, pulling that heel up towards our butt, it naturally propels that leg forward. So it goes forward on its own for the most part using physics rather than us having to use our hip flexors to bring it forward and use that quad to extend the leg. And so we naturally just decrease our um, energy expenditure by doing these little tweaks with our form. Nice. nice. So I'm, I'm imagining uh, the, the, the difference between the movement we might see somebody who's rowing like a canoe or a kayak where it's, it's these long drags versus like these pistons or, or even like bicycle pedals. They're, they're short, choppy pumps. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good analogy there. Um, the other thing I started thinking about recently, and I, I, I don't know if there's any research out on there on, out on it. I haven't looked into it, but something that piqued my curiosity when I was having a conversation recently is, so I'm five two. I was running against people in high school who were six foot something. So my my legs were significantly shorter with than them. So naturally, I gave myself a faster turnover or a faster cadence in order to keep up with them or beat them. Um, it's how I became a successful runner. So it made me wonder if, if you start looking at trends, if shorter people tend to veer towards a shorter foot strike, faster turnover, because we have to keep up with people with longer legs, especially if we're um, racing type thing. So I don't know if there's any legitimacy to that, but it's just something that's piqued my carry in my interest recently. Um, if there's any variances with that. Yeah, right on. How tall are you, Trey? 5'11". <clears throat> when you're running, do you take, would you consider your strides to be long or do you have like short st choppy strides? You know, I'm actually going to, because she has got enough information, I'm going to turn that over to Bree. Uh, because I, I, <laughs> Let my running coach take this I, one, guys. I, 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 you know, prior to last year, I'd literally never had to think about my, my form or my cadence or anything like that. I, just, I hadn't. I had always assumed running was running and I was always pretty good at it. Um, but then... I mean, last year I was 33 and, you know, I may not be considered old by some standards, but it's certainly not a 20 year old's body anymore. So I, I, I'm starting to feel, um, you know, the effects of, of not doing things properly. So with that said, uh, Bree, you and I, have, you and I have run together. You've seen videos of me running, uh, you know, my, my cadence data, I would love for you to break it down as much as you want to right here. Yeah. 
Um, I don't have any recent video, um, but from the video we had when I started working with you, when you did have your pain, um, there definitely, I do remember there being more of a heel strike over stride type situation. Um, I think there was a, a hip weakness going on as well, which we did address, but you definitely were over striding at that time. And I don't think we knew your cadence at that time either. Um, since you've been using your Garmin, since we have a little bit more data, um, your cadence, I believe is like 176, 178, somewhere in there, maybe a little bit higher. Um, but that, that 180 mean? is, uh, sorry. Yeah. Cadence is steps per minute. So okay. essentially, however many steps you're taking per minute. Nice. Um, the, where our bodies are most efficient and where there's the least, least amount of stress on our muscles and tendons is 180. And mm -hmm. so the closer we can get to 180, the, even a little bit faster and that's okay too. But the closer we can get there, the better off we're going to be from an efficiency standpoint and an injury standpoint. Um, Trey has definitely from when I filmed him, man, it's probably about two years ago now. Um, from when we did the first videos with him to what I'm seeing now, as far as with his data, as well as when we ran together in April um, last year, uh, there was significantly significant improvement as far as how his how his foot's hitting the ground and how he's coming through. Nice, nice. It's crazy to think you were here you know, over a year ago. Yeah, now I'm getting it these. Doesn't these, seem like it was that long ago. These years confused because I thought that. We, yeah. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, it's but, so funny. It does, not for the podcast, but in terms of just the friendship, it's it's strange how how much time passes yeah. so quickly. And so, you know, you can talk about running dynamics and you can talk about form and, and all that all you want, but I really want to get into other elements that, that feed into running performance. Uh, we, we talked, I just want to get into the mental aspect of it first, and then we can talk about nutrition and, and we've talked a little bit nice. about sleep, just every, the, the more research that's done in all areas of life, the more, it, it, the more easily it is to see that everything ties into itself. And so mental, uh, the mental aspect of, of running and just like everything else we do plays such a huge role. Ernie, you talked about, you know, running down that hill and feeling it, a, a cramp in your side. Believe me, when you, when you said that, I knew exactly what you were feeling. I, I've felt that cramp a thousand times over and I, for me, that is a mental thing. I know that that is something I can run through. It's not always easy, but it is something that I can run through. Um, I, I've been running long enough to know when there's bad pain and when there's good pain, that particular pain is, you can call it good pain. It's just, I know I can get through it. And so I, 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 I would just, I'll, I'll leave it or I'll turn it over to Bree to talk a little bit about her mental um, aspects when it comes to, you know, pushing through a, a, an obstacle horse race or, you know, how she deals with clients who don't have positive self-talk when they're out on a course or when they're running and just how, how, how you address that. Yeah. It's so easy to get in our heads and just, you know, tell our bodies to stop because we're uncomfortable and we just don't feel good or, you know, make whatever excuse we want to make. And granted, with pain, there is legitimacy behind some of it sometimes, and we do need to be able to decipher what's, what pain we need to stop for and what we need to continue or what we can continue with. Um, but when it just comes down to the mental side of things and, you know, whether it's being able to push that extra mile or, you know, whatever's, whatever's getting in your head, a couple things that I, tricks that I use for myself, um, if I'm running somewhere where there's 
light posts or electrical poles, things like that. Like I'll just set my goal of running to that next pole or running to that next fence, fence post or whatever it is where I'm running. And then it's like, cool, I made that goal. Let's like, what's the next goal? What's the next spot I can make it to? And uh, just kind of like make my step-by-step -step shorter goals because it makes that next mile or two miles or 10 miles a lot easier when you do it that way if you're getting in your head. The other thing I like to think about is I always go back to finding Nemo and Dory and just keep swimming that like if you're out there, if you just keep putting one foot in front of the other, you're going to get to your end goal. Yes. It may not be as fast as you want, but as long as you don't stop moving your legs, you're going to get from point A to point B. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Every step you take is one step further than somebody else has taken. That's that step is one step past where that other person has quit. And so I, I, I love that you said finding Nemo because I've, I've said, I've sang that song in my own head while running as well. So that, that is awesome. That's, that's an awesome thing <laughs> to, awesome. to do. Yeah. It's so interesting to be in, in a position with, with anything, but I think it's pretty easy to notice uh, that, that's honestly, that's one of the big reasons I chose running. Uh, there, there are several reasons why I went to running. I had been doing CrossFit for a while, but um, I, I went to running and, and one of the big reasons that drew me towards it is it was uh, the most, at that time, the most efficient way for me to look at how I dealt with challenge, uh, whether it was you know, running a two miler, which is supposed to be easy and it becoming challenging and how I treated myself in that moment, or whether it was I'm at three and a half miles considering running another three and a half and, and how I deal with that moment and how I deal with getting through that other three and a half. How do I treat myself after the, the run? If I did great, how do I treat myself if I did terribly? Like it was real time um, data, so to speak, on, on the way that I was talking to myself. And it, it seems, it seems, uh, pretty invaluable for us to be able to, to monitor, um, that internal dialogue. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you had, so there are so many elements that can go into that, you know, it just, you know, condensing it down into where you're, when you're on the course and you don't want to run uh, another half mile or, or mile or whatever, but you also have your, your life that is that you, you can sometimes be running away from either motivating you or demotivating you. And, um, I get, I know, well, I, I know this is a leap here. Uh, and I know we've talked uh, a lot about it in person, Brie, but I know you've gone through a lot yourself personally that has brought you down. And I'm just curious how, how you have used the same mentality, um, to take the next leap in your fitness to get past hard times in your life. I mean, do you see parallels there? Is that, have you seen things in your personal life affect your, your, your physical performance and athletics as well? Yeah, there's, there's a number of directions I, I can go there and I probably will go um, a number of directions here, but, um, you know, I use, I do use fitness and exercise. Yes. I'm a competitor. I like to compete. I like to better myself that way, but it also is my way of kind of burning off stress and separating myself a little bit from, um, from what's going on in life and just having a break from, from the stressors of life. And, and I get, 
as I think about, I had this conversation recently with, um, I think it was Nathan Kohlerman actually, that it's like I use running and CrossFit and racing as a way to just kind of like decrease my stress levels, my life stress levels, and just kind of burn that off. But at the same time, part of me wonders how much I use it as an escape too. And so I like force or allowing myself to not deal with what's going on in life at the time. And so I think we have to find this balance of using it for that purpose of releasing stress or burning off our anger, burning off our frustration, but also be able to recognize when we're doing that in order to escape and avoid dealing with those other things in life that you just hope will go away if we don't deal with them. So um, I definitely use it as both aspects and, you know, one's a healthier way um, than the other, but, you know, sometimes you just like it's the best of you and you just kind of do that escapism thing. Sure. And I do want to be clear. I mean, there are different ways to, to find that escapism. You can, you can drink alcohol or you can do self-destructive activities where there's absolutely no benefit to it. Or, you know, of course you can work out and then of course you can overdo it when working out, but there, there are a lot more positives to that. So making that clear cut distinction, I think is important. Yeah, absolutely. There definitely are worse ways to escape from, from your situations. Um, one thing I will say with all that though, is when we're talking about a performance aspect of it, we have to think about from the physical physicality side of things is cortisol levels. Cortisol is our stress hormone. So the more stress we're under, whether it's life stress or workout stress, the higher cortisol levels get. Um, high cortisol levels can cause, like elevate, significantly elevated cortisol levels can cause other systemic problems in our body. Along with that, it actually decreases our performance when we do let those cortisol levels get too high and those stress levels get too high. So there is a balance there too that, um, and I saw it myself that as I was dealing with more of life stressors, my performance at the gym decreased. I wasn't getting the weights. I wasn't hitting the same numbers on the weights that I had before. I got slower. I, I just, I could tell my body was responding differently when I was under those increased stress levels. So it's something that it's not that we shouldn't train during those times. Cause it's not a bad thing to train during those times, but we need to be able to recognize and accept that times may go down um, we may just notice more fatigue. Like we may notice different things with our performance because of those stress, those external stressors. Yeah, I'm sure you, you actually, one, you, of course, as you said, you see it in your life and you've experimented with different ways to manage that. And, and then you also probably deal with it quite a bit when you work with clients. What, what are some you know, trusted or, or reliable ways so let's like let's say for instance somebody's going through uh, an, an emotional life moment. You know something's happening and it's it's really causing trouble for them. And so they they go and they work out like they they typically would. It it drains off that energy. You know then then what are some healthy ways that you might um, have seen in your life or in other people's lives that are 
that are reliable ways to then move forward from that, assess the situation, not move past it, wait till it happens again, and then go use whatever thing, exercise or alcohol to, to deal with it, but actually to assess it and move forward. You know, in the moment itself, if someone struggles in a workout and they're frustrated about it, can't reach out to me because of it, um, you know, I'll have that conversation and figure out like what is going on in their life. Um, because normally at that point, they aren't telling me that yet. Um, once, if I know someone's dealing with a significant amount of stress, or maybe they've told me, Hey, this project's going to be going on at work. Um, I'm going to have less time or, you know, whatever's going on. We'll, I'll decrease that workload. Um, cause I don't want them I still want them to move. I don't want them to be overtraining themselves while they're dealing with these increased stressors. So some of it is just knowing that if you're in a stressful situation, be mindful of it, adjust our work, we'll adjust the workouts accordingly. Um, as a just kind of life, how to deal with that response and coping with those things, um, I'll always go back to breath work and meditation with that and just figuring out those ways through breathing, through recentering ourselves and to give us that, give them that reset of, um, and even if it's just taking five deep breaths, because that's all the amount of time they have while they're dealing with the, you know, screaming children and whatever other issues at home, just taking those moments of like, five breaths in silence in order to just start to calm the body, bring you back into that parasympathetic um, calming response in order to continue on in into your stressful day. I don't know anyone who deals with screaming children, but I'm sure that's all really helpful. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the, the parasympathetic response, what, what, what was that? It was I think I'm missing something there. Um, you, you, you said take five breaths to activate the parasympathetic response or something like that. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. So when we think about so our sympathetic system is our fight or flight system. Anytime we are in high stress situations, that's going to kick in. So if we are in a constant chronic state of stress, that sympathetic system is going to be constantly aroused. Um, we can do simple things such as using, use our, breath in order to calm that system because of the way the nerves interact in our body, um, utilizing our diaphragm. And so if we are in those heightened arousal states with that pair, with that sympathetic system, just taking some deep breaths through that diaphragm activates that parasympathetic system to start getting that reset, um, in order to calm that sympathetic arousal system down. Nice. And, and so if, I mean, I've heard some of this, but I've not been able to have a conversation with somebody about it. So this definitely interests me. Um, the sympathetic is our fight or flight. So this is like a defense mechanism our body has created, correct? Correct. Okay. So then what would the parasympathetic be? Would that be like the, the relaxation response, the safety system in our body? Yeah. Um, essentially, that's that's the one that... Yes, it, it's our calm, it's our relaxation, it's it's our safe mode. Yeah, and and diet using our diaphragm. You mentioned that, and I've I've noticed breathing down into my stomach and down into my hips has a very profound impact on the way I'm feeling, no matter what it is. And I'm saying that because 
many people deal with shit that is really challenging. But if our fight or flight is activated and we can breathe into our diaphragm, it can completely change the way we feel, especially if we can get a handle, you know, on our, our mental state or get out of our mental state, even just for a moment. But I'm, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. So it has, without getting too scientific with it, um, cause I hate getting scientific on these <laughs> podcasts. Um, it's also a good, good, some people won't, you know, try something unless it's science-based anyway. So yeah. whatever, however it comes to you. Yeah. But so as far as when we're talking our nervous system, we have certain nerves that actually cause that arousal state. And then we have other nerves and other systems that counteract that. And they, they basically in our bodies, they form this balance. And because we essentially our fight and flight system is a necessary system. Um, like you need to be ready if, something's going to attack you. If something's causing you harm, you need to be, we need that sympathetic system in order to have that arousal. We also need to be able to come off of that. So like think back to like when we actually use these systems for survival, like mountain lion was attacking you, you're going to get into that sympathetic system. Once that attack is, once things have resolved, um, you've outrun it, whatever, like your body naturally goes into that parasympathetic state and starts calming you back down. This is this balance that we're supposed to have. When we live in this life that we do, when we're always on the go, we have life stress, we have work stress, we have workout stress and everything in between. Add in lack of sleep to that. And the sympathetic system is on overdrive and it doesn't know how to shut off. And so if we force it to, by using our breath, by which will help stimulate that parasympathetic system, we can't override it completely because it's on so powerful, or at least we can't override it completely in just five breaths, but we can start counterbalancing that a little bit. We can start getting that reset. And the more that we do that, the more that we actually are able to recenter ourselves and get us out of that sympathetic system or that sympathetic system arousal um, easier. Nice. Thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's something I'm very interested in. Uh, to The science behind it and then just the noticing of, of how it affects our body as we expand our awareness out of our head and actually into our body or specifically in this moment into our diaphragm. So let's let's shift gears a little bit um, and talk about kind of the final facet uh, that I have in mind in regard to dun, dun, dun. <laughs> in regard to athleticism um, and, and total life optimization. I mean, we can, we can go a lot deeper, I'm sure, but the, the, we can't talk all day. Uh, let's talk let's talk about nutrition um, and uh, how. I don't know. You both know me. You both know that I'm rigid as fuck. I mean, I, I am. I, it's either it's either all or nothing for me. And so, you know, it's yeah. It, try it, having a podcast with this guy. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I'm <just> kidding. <laughs> it's true. I'm kidding. Um, I'm kidding. In, in regard to sugar, I don't touch it. In regard to alcohol, I haven't touched it in about nine months. Um, I, I do my and I should mention that I'm actually reading uh, uh, Robbie's life changing book right now, Eating Animals. And while I don't think that I'm going to go vegetarian, 
in regard to factory farming and the amount of shit they put into these birds that are living in tiny spaces, I, I'm going to do a little bit more research on finding, you know, true free range local farmers because I don't want the crap that they put in these birds inside of me. So, Bree, in regard to in regard to nutrition and people who are just looking to make minor tweaks so they can improve their performance, you know, how do you take on a client uh, who is probably not in the best space and help them just kind of nudge them in the right direction into helping uh, to improve that aspect of, of their, their life and their fitness. Yeah. I, when it comes to nutrition, I am never, I'm never one to tell someone like you have to have this eating plan um, because some people want to be vegan, vegetarian, keto, paleo, like you name it and whatever someone wants to do, like I'm fine with that but there are ways to be healthy in all of those methods um, to kind of use what you are as an, or what you're talking about as an example, there definitely are difference differences in meat quality, depending on how it's raised and how it's farmed. And I can tell you that my body can tell a difference, especially when it comes to poultry. Um, if I'm eating um like that free range, you know, like cage free everything and organic poultry versus like farm raised in a pen, that sort of thing. Um, the meat quality is very different. Same thing goes with pork, um, beef, um, salmon, things like that. Like the stuff that's raised on a farm or like in these like confined conditions. Factory farming. Yeah. Factory farms the meat quality is not good. Um, but if you take these more naturally raised animals, they've actually like, you start looking at the profiles of their fat profiles and it's a very healthy fat profile. Um, and so then it comes down to like, is animal protein bad for you? Like, I'm not going to get into that debate. Um, I try to avoid those debates, but I think we can definitely make those choices of eating better foods versus, um, poor quality of foods of that same class. Um, same thing goes for fruits and vegetables. I'm not one to eat organic everything, but there are certain fruits and vegetables I will eat organic on just because I do know like non-organic of certain things can like, tend to like hold more pesticides and that sort of thing. So it's, it's just making these smarter choices, um, of like what quality of food do you eat? Whether it's the proteins, the fruits, the veggies, or, you know, looking at if you have to use processed or packaged foods of some sort, like how can we make the better choices in those foods as well? Sure. And then, so when somebody comes to you and they, they want to, um, I don't, they, they want that, that, that optimization, but they just don't have a clue when it comes to diet and nutrition. And, you know, they think that eating a pop tart for breakfast is, is, is healthy. Where, where do you start with somebody? Cause you can't, I, I've, in my experience, you can't go, you know, get all in their face and say, you got to do this, this, and this, they'll just shut down. So what's the, what's the first recommendation you, you, you give to somebody when they, when you want them to eat healthier, have better nutrition? You know, when it comes to nutrition, like it's such a personal thing to people that I think we need to go like 
And if we're going to go to the theory of atomic habits and making that 1% change, like nutrition is where we need to do that because people are going to be so resistant to change there for the most part. So typically I'm going to start with, let's decrease your sugar, let's increase your water and start at that point. Um, most people don't drink enough water. Most people are taking in too much sugar. So if we just start making like two minor little tweaks, then we can play with everything else. But when it comes to nutrition, if you change too many things at once, like, like you said, they're going to shut down. Yeah. Yeah. Those are pretty simple things to, to at least look at, you know, how much water am I drinking? Can I take one more glass of water a day? How much sugar am I eating? Can I cut that down by a 10th or 1% even, and, and just start noticing the way that it affects your body. So those are, those are solid. And it's amazing when you start looking at sugar, how much sugar is added to things that you don't even realize, um, like processed foods, drinks, so much, like you name it, there's, there's sugar added to it. it it's insane. I mean, just think like barbecue sauce, that sort of thing. I mean, to make it sweet, you get that sugar from it. And you know, I, I, so many times, and this is, this is something that I've learned rather recently, um, within the last four or five years that orange juice, apple juice, that's just because it's fruit juice does not mean that it's good for you. That's essentially like drinking a pop, uh, that's taken all the fiber out of actually eating the fruit and just left all the sugar behind, uh, which is, it's no, like I said, no better than drinking some sort of soft drink. Oh yeah. Like fruit juice, eating fruit. Yes. You get the fiber. Um, so it's a little more filling and you get a lot of other nutrients that are in the actual fruit, but when you, when it's juice, like you're, it's pure, like concentrated sugar, essentially. Right. Ernie, how's this making yeah. you feel? Uh, <laughs> in what sense? <laughs> uh, that's an interesting question. I was thinking actually about uh, when we mix drinks for our kids, so like we put a little bit of vodka. No, I'm just kidding. When we, when we make uh, like juice for our kids, we never put straight juice in it we always put like a like a quarter juice and then fill the rest up with water um because of how sweet it is and it and then i can tell the difference in my kids i know this might be highly irrelevant but i can so we do that for their health of course and then but i can tell the difference in the kids if they ever get straight juice it just like their eyes light up like they're on crack or something <laughs> they're like oh my god and then they like suck it down there's so much sugar in it but but that, like my whole childhood i was drinking like coke and oh for sure me too and, and juice you know what i mean yeah. like straight sugar my entire young my young life even up until uh you know five years ago yeah trey i'm curious with you i know what i've noticed so i'm curious on you since you've cut out sugar do you notice as far as like just regular foods um, like vegetables, nuts, like other things that you eat on a daily basis. Do you notice that you um, like more of the sweetness that is actually in them naturally? I would have to say, yes, I feel like I don't have a strong basis for comparison anymore because it, it has been so long since I've had any sort of s sweet treat or anything that, you know, is indulgent. Um, and I, I will say, uh, you know, I, I watch shows like, uh, I don't actively watch them, but any sort of cooking show uh, where where you've got, you know, this five-star chef critiquing even the smallest uh, notes of spices. I don't have a refined palate, and that is something that I've become perfectly comfortable with. I mean, if something, 
I, my preference is healthy over, you know, tasteful or tasty or whatever you want to call it. Um, so yeah, when I, when I do have something that's a, a little bit naturally sweeter, I do appreciate it. It, it. it is, it is nice to be able to, to enjoy that. Um, yeah. So uh, nuts and berries, um, Yes, to answer your question, I, I do notice that that sweetness a lot more than, you know, if I had to compare it against, you know, like a cupcake or something like that. Yeah, I was just curious. So I noticed like I noticed the sweetness, especially I'm thinking like red peppers, carrots, nuts, nut butter, like things like that. I just noticed so much more sweetness in them since I don't um, like once I stopped eating processed like sugars. Yeah. And I will say in regard to nut butter, as dirty as that sounds, the RX nut butter is so good. I will indulge in that because I mean, it's like three different ingredients, but the date is what really gives it that, that sweetness. And, uh, I do enjoy eating that straight from the, from the little cup that it comes in. Oh yeah. 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 I think it's important for people to even just like, if, well, I come from, like I said, I come from a childhood where I just drank pop and, and, and juice, but, um, it wasn't until I started practicing with fasting and, and refining my diet that I realized there is flavor that my, my mouth has been numb to because of all of the sugar that I've been eating. And if, you know, if there are, I'm sure there are people out there and maybe they're listening to this, maybe they're not, but, but to go from what they've been typically eating to eating a salad or, or carrots or whatever it might be that seems a little bit more healthier or a lot more healthier than what they're eating. It's just like, there's this complaint about the taste and how it's just it's too bland. It's, there's not enough flavor. And one, you could, you can add spices, you can add certain dressings, but you could also just take sugar out of your diet for 24 to 48 hours and then try these things. And, and it's a world of difference in the way that it tastes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we're probably coming to time here. Is that pretty close to accurate, Trey? Yeah. Uh, Bree, I, you know, again, this, this, this feels a little bit different considering how well Ernie and I know you. So, you know, we, we, we truly appreciate you coming on here. And before we start to, to bring things to a close, I wanna, do you have any questions for us? Um, I know like I put you on the spot, on spot there. And so that, that's super professional. Uh, I don't think I have any questions for you. Okay, cool. Well, I, I do have one last question that I'd like to ask you. This probably is not a surprise to you, but, uh, um, you know, one thing that I, I love to know, you know, I, I want to, I want to say it this way because, because we all know each other here. I have started to wonder if I'm ever going to ask this question and then, then have the interview guest say, oh, I don't read. I, I shut that down very quickly in my head because I, I it's, it's, becoming very evident that the the most intelligent and the most interesting people that I know are readers, whether or not they read a book a week or a book a month or just a couple books a year. They're readers and they have books that have influenced their lives. And so, um, Bree, I wanted to ask you, if you had to credit one book with being the most life-changing, the most influential book you've ever read, uh, what would that be? And I would love to hear why. Yeah, I have... In general, I have such a tough time answering this question just because I like so many books I've read because of where I was at in my life at the time. And so they were so life changing at that given moment. Um, or as I've reread them, I've pulled different things out of them. And so like there's so many different books, but the one I will tend to tell anyone if and if anyone asks me is The Four Agreements. Um, just because it's such a and it's on my wall 
in my office. I have it on the wall of my bathroom and my bedroom. And it's something I look at every day because it's, it's just things that make so much sense to live by in the way you just show up in your life, the way you talk, the way you listen, um, that it's like, it's just simple and basic concepts, but so, so important into how we show up as a person. You know, I, I love that book and those agreements. Well, I haven't read the, the entire book, but I've, I've uh, listened to the audio book through the first agreement. <laughs> I don't make the, the last three. <laughs> um, but I, I, I don't think we, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I don't, uh, I don't know if we've ever talked about it on this podcast, but I'm just wondering if you could share the four agreements that are in the book. Yeah, they are be impeccable with your word. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions. Always do your best. Love it. I think I need to listen to the last three. I like that. <laughs> I, like I think that. that'd be a great idea for you. <laughs> that, I, I, that but, I, I've had that book on my list for, for quite some time, Bree, because obviously this is not the first time we've talked about it. Uh, but I love that last, or that third that third one, don't make assumptions. Um, we can become so much happier and so much more well-balanced in this life if we don't assume things about other people or about the way the world is. If we can just live by what we know internally and have an open mind as to how other people are going to react and how they are going to, or what information they're going to provide instead of, you know, assuming that Ernie is just going to be an asshole today and then treating him as such, that just puts everybody in a bad place. So being open and honest with yourself and your emotions, I think is, is hugely valuable. And, and uh, I can't wait to read that book. You're just going to throw a sneak yeah. this in there. Like I didn't hear it. <laughs> exactly. Oh. exactly. <laughs> you know, another direction to take that too, Trey is that one, the don't make assumptions is also part of what helped me drop um, my filter too, as far as like, if I'm not sure what someone's thinking in a situation, like rather than, assuming something like i'll flat out ask them absolutely uh, i love, love it. it um so it's, it's really helped me drop my filter in a lot of situations as well and just be like you know what i'm not going to assume like what do you mean by this or like what's going on that's yeah. so that's so hugely valuable for somebody who runs their own business and is working with clients if a client thinks they're explaining something well but you don't you're not fully grasping it as opposed to just assuming what they want and then uh, executing on that assumption and, and spending a lot of time executing on an assumption that is wrong, you're going to be in such a worse place than if you just flat out asked, Hey, I don't quite understand what you're saying. Can you elaborate on that? It, it may be the minorest of inconveniences to them, but at least you're going to get it right the first time. Absolutely. Yeah. Solid. And, and so one last thing too, before we do some of the, the closing pieces, um, Trey and I were talking about the idea of, you know, how asking this question, uh, you know, what's a book that's changed your life is a really interesting way to look across the gamut of people we've talked to and the variations of how people's lives have changed from a specific thing. And so we were discussing, you know, maybe we could make it really cute and we each have our own questions and and then we just like look across the gamut of all of our people that we've discussed things with. I like how and, you worded and, that. And ask, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of corny, but like we each have our own little question. But anyways, so there there was a question that I asked earlier when we started the podcast to Lisa Bond, and we were discussing 
about adding that to, to this. And, and what I love about this question in particular, so the question itself is, what's your leading edge um, in your own personal development? And the reason I want to bring this into the podcast and, and I want to use it when we talk to other um, each of our guests is because there are so many times that we can have people on podcasts. There are so many times when I've listened to podcasts and I felt a distance in in between me and the person that was being interviewed because they, you know, they must have just innate things about them, innate qualities that that gave them the ability to do what they're doing. But I, but I think it's going to be a place where we can look at, hey. Even these people who are doing incredible things, they're learning and they're growing and they're still dealing with, you know, normal life or, or business challenges that, that we might not see in the forefront. So the question I want to propose to you or to pose to you rather is, you know, what's the leading edge that you're focused on in your development currently? That's a great question. I'd say for myself... I don't know the best way to answer this. Not that there is a best way, but um, for me, it's finding ways to, or how do I better relate and communicate with people? Um, just because I know that's what's gotten me working on that is what's, is what's got me to this point in my life and my business. And I know as I continue working on that, it's going to continue to just, explode both those areas, my personal life and my business life. And, and it's definitely an area that I've lacked in most of my life. So just continuing to work on the communication side and relationship side of, of myself. Awesome. Yeah. It sounds like a, a very practical and, and powerful place to, to focus your attention. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for playing along with our new game. <laughs> and uh, if, so, so if people are listening and they've made it to the end because they feel a, a connection to you and what you've shared and they want to learn more, how do they, how do they get in touch with you? How do they learn more? Yeah, you can look at my website. It's getyourfixpt.com. Otherwise, you can find me easily on Facebook. Um, just search my name, Brianne Showman, or on Instagram at the.ocr.doc. Now, to clarify, Boom. is right. it the underscore or the dot? Dot. Dot. Okay. Just wanted to be sure. Awesome. Bree, thank you so much. Um, it was really good to, I don't know, this is going to sound weird, but it was really good to sit down with you and talk in more of a, a formal context and just, you know, get some of the things that we've had so many conversations about, you know, on the record, because I, I think people, especially this year, want to get out of ruts. They want to get themselves into better places, both mentally and physically. And there's no... I've said this before, and I don't mean it in a, in a degrading way. There's no shame in having a coach. There's no shame in having somebody help you accomplish your goals, um, you know, both in a mental and physical aspect. And Bree is the type of person who, who can help out with that, especially from either near or far. So um, thank you for sharing all that with us. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. I, it was great to get in here and talk, I guess, somewhat shop in business and life with you guys. It's always good. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Much appreciated. Thank you very much. Cool. Take care, guys. Another huge thank you to Brienne or Bree, as Ernie and I know her, showman for joining us on the podcast. I highly encourage you to check out the show notes for this particular episode. There are a bunch of places where you can follow Bree's content and she can help you out. So if you're any sort of athlete and you want to improve your performance, even by 1%, 
check her out on Instagram, check out her website. She is one of the most kind-hearted people I know and is willing to help. Also, be sure to check out her podcast, The Highly Functional Podcast, link in the show notes, where you can get great content just like this in a longer format. If you enjoyed what you heard here, do us a favor, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That goes a long, long way in helping others discover the Mosaic Life Podcast. And on top of that, as we get more listeners, we get more and more interesting guests. And as you may know, the interview guest of my dreams is Tim Ferriss. So, you know, the, the, the bigger we get, the, the closer we inch to bringing Tim onto the podcast, just putting that out into the universe. And uh, if you're on Instagram, follow us on Instagram at One Mosaic Life. Search for us on Facebook, The Mosaic Life Podcast. And of course, join that Mosaic Life Circle. You can do so at themosaiclifepodcast.com. Thank you again so, so much for spending an hour of your very valuable time with us. We truly appreciate you, and we truly appreciate you listening. Take care, do better, and be well. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.